Well, good morning. My name is Dwayne Taylor. It's my privilege to pastor here at Dorisville Baptist Church and to share with you today. Um, so honored to have so many different guests with us today. God bless you. Thank you for coming and choosing to worship here at Dorisville. There are many, many places you could have gone today, but you chose to worship with us. And we are just very grateful that you are here. Let me tell you what kind of happens every week here. Uh, every week we gather like this in this building and uh, we sing some songs and we get a lesson from the word of God. But what doesn't change? The sermon may change. The technique may change. The songs change. But what doesn't change is the fact that the number changes some, but every Sunday people come into this room and they're sinners. I mean, every person here this morning and every person that comes every week in any church, in fact, not just our church, we're sinners. And so if that if you're a sinner today, welcome home. You are in the right place. I want to tell you that. And, and, and some of us, though, has been have been touched by this one solita- solitary life, this one solitary life that changes everything in human history. Now, have you ever thought about that? Here we are now really in the 21st century, which means 2100 years has come and gone since Jesus Christ was born. And the fact that I'm standing up here today talking to you about him is crazy. It makes absolutely no sense. Let me tell you why. Jesus Christ was born in a little, little village called Bethlehem. The only ones there was an angel showed up and some shepherds showed up and eventually some three kings or some kings showed up. But other than that, it didn't make the newspaper. It wasn't read on, on, the, uh, on the newspaper as far as in the birth announcements. It was not announced on the radio. No one really knew that Jesus Christ was really born besides those few people that were there. His name should have never been known throughout history. He grew up and grew up a carpenter's son and really became a carpenter himself. And for the next 30 years, no one knew about Jesus. No one. And yet today, here I am telling you, and if I said the name Jesus, every person goes, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. We have different images of why Jesus pops into our head. If you look at the graphic that's on the screen now, you'll see one of two things. You either see Mary and Joseph kneeling at a manger. Or if you look at it a different way, you'll see the face of a man That we call Jesus Christ. Because that baby that no one should have known eventually grew up and did become a man. At age 30, he became a preacher, a prophet, a teacher, as we would discover, not like any other. Because he was born God in the flesh. And then he went around doing miracles and and, and astounding people with his teachings. And then when he was 33 years old, he was nailed to a cross. And really, that's I don't think that's even the reason why we're talking about him today, because so many men were nailed to Roman crosses. It was a very common occurrence. You know, if you're a Roman soldier in Jerusalem, it went something like this. You got up in the morning, you put on your armor, you, you went to work, you nailed a few Jews to the cross and we went home and told your wife, hi, honey, how was how was today? Oh, fine. We, we crucified a few folks. It was a very common thing for men to be crucified. And then they buried him. And that's when it really gets different. He didn't have a tomb, and so they borrowed one, and a rich guy named Joseph, and another guy named Nicodemus, put him in his grave, thinking it was done. Some ladies showed up, and were going to, you know, properly prepare the body after the Sabbath. And when they got there, his body was gone. His body was gone. And it wasn't that somebody stole it, it was gone. 
Because he came back to life. And the reason why I'm standing here 2,100 years telling you about a Jewish carpenter who lived 2,100 years before me is because he's the only man who ever was born, lived, died, and came back to life again. It's incredible. It's incredible. Now, now let me just say a little bit more because I don't want to leave you the wrong opinion. I mean, really, you know, his birth was, was spectacular. But it was also surrounded in scandal. I mean, let's face it. A single woman claims that an angel appeared to her and that she was going to become pregnant by God himself and give birth to the Son of God. Try explaining that to your mom and dad. That's exactly what happened. That's exactly what happened. But it was, it was shrouded in scandal. He lived this incredible, sinless life. And when he did begin teaching, he was a radical. Some of you guys say, y'all like radicalism. Jesus was radical. He so upset the donkey cart in religion. He went against everything the, the religious people that day um, taught. I mean, he was radical in his teaching. We're going to talk about it in just a moment. But he talked about loving your enemy. He, he, he talked about forgiving people. You know, a lot of religious come, religious leaders come and go, and they talk about jihad. They, they talk about killing those who don't believe. And yet Jesus Christ never did that. In fact, when he's on the cross, one like this, he, he's, he cries out. Father, forgive them. Talking about the ones who drove the nails, the one who instituted the plan that, that led to his death. Father, forgive them because they do not know what they're doing. How radical is that? And those of us who believe and know Jesus understand that on that cross, because the wages of sin was death, that Jesus didn't die for himself. He died for us. The sinners that gather every week and sinners that don't gather every week. In fact, every man, woman, and child in the world. He went on the cross and died so that we could have relationship with God and could have forgiveness of sins. It's incredible. And I've already told you about the birth and the life and the death. And three days later, he got up. That's why we're talking about this 2,100 years. That's why we don't come and go, yay, we're Baptists, because Baptists won't do anything for you. But we gather every week and we celebrate Jesus Christ because he proved he was God by getting up the third day. Oh, he could have died and, and claimed to forgive us, you know, died, forgive our sins, but we would have never known. But because he resurrected the third day, he triumphantly stated, I'm God and I've got the power to forgive people's sins. How incredible is that? Then there's this other guy. There was a young man named Saul. And Saul was a, well, he was a type A personality religious zealot. I mean, he bought into the religious system of the day, hook, line, and sinker. Most certainly, he heard the sermons of Jesus. Most certainly, he saw some of the miracles of Jesus. Probably most certainly also, he was there as they beat him. He was there as they drove the nails. He was just on the other side of the fence. He would have been the one crying out saying, that'll teach you to rise up against Rome. That'll teach you to rise up against the religious system of the day. 
And when the third day rolled around, the grave was empty. He bought the lie. The religious leader said, okay, here's what we're going to do. We're going to bribe the Roman soldiers and, and they're going to say that, that Jesus was dead and, the, and his disciples came and stole the body away. He bought that lie. And for the next three or four years, he continued life as normal. And then finally something happens. A guy named Stephen, who was a Jesus follower, said something that makes some folks really mad. So they decided to pick up a bunch of rocks and kill him. And they did. And this guy named Saul was standing there, holding the coats of the ones who threw the rocks. And that's when Saul got fired up. He said, you know what? I'm going to put an end to this Jesus stuff. The man's dead. These followers of his, it's time for them to be silenced. So he goes to the the ruling leader and said, look here, give me a letter because I want to go to Damascus and I want to personally put people in jail. I want to even have them killed. I'm tired of this Jesus stuff. And so he gets his letter. And he goes to Damascus. And while he's traveling, this intensely bright light shines down and he sees the resurrected Christ. And he falls down to the, to the ground on his face. And this voice says, Saul, Dwayne translation, what in the world are you doing? Why are you persecuting me? And Saul said, but who are you? And he said, I am Christ, whom you are persecuting. And whether you buy that or not, that radically changed the life of Saul. At that day, he bought the truth. He rejected the lie and bought the truth. And he became one of the most radical followers of Jesus Christ that has ever lived. In fact, out of the 22 books in the New Testament, he wrote 13 of them. I mean, he bought it. Hook, line, and sinker. And he was willing to do anything to tell others about Jesus Christ. And see, it cost Paul. Paul went from being a very affluent Jewish leader in the, in the church that day, in the, in, the, in the synagogue, to being cast out. Friends were now enemies. But he realized that knowing Jesus was the most important thing in the world. And so what happened was this. One day, Paul was going to write a letter. And his name, was, by the way, went from Saul to Paul. The change was so radical, it gave him a new name. So he went from being Saul to Paul. He decided to write a letter to a church in Philippi, one of the ancient cities. And in that letter, he said something like this. He said, I want to know him and the power of his resurrection." He's saying, I, I know Jesus, but I can't get enough of Jesus. You know what? We all can get enough of church. We can all get enough of religion. We can all get enough of rule keeping. But there's a lot of people in this room who can't get enough of Jesus. And Paul says, I just want to know him more. And I said, well, I wonder what caused Paul to say that. And maybe it was Jesus the man. I mean, he was so radically different 
than anything you've ever seen. Over in John chapter uh, 10 and verse number 11, Jesus was teaching. Let's go back before he was crucified and, and was resurrected. Here's what Jesus said. I am the good shepherd. And the good shepherd gives his life for the sheep. Isn't that incredible? Jesus had us following. People were beginning to follow him. He says, I want you to know something. I see you guys as sheep. And I want you to know something. Every flock of sheep needs a shepherd. And I'm the good shepherd. A good shepherd would provide food. It would protect. It would guide. It would do all those things. But then he said this. I'm a good shepherd. And the good shepherd gets his life for the sheep. I think that means like total commitment to give your life to a cause. But he wasn't talking about that. He was looking forward to a time in a few months. When he'd be willing to be nailed to a cross and die for the people that he loved. He went on and said, he says, now, now, just so you'll understand, uh, you know, a hireling, or words, a part, a hired shepherd, one who doesn't own the sheep, uh, a hireling, he is not the shepherd, uh, one who does not own the sheep. He sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees and the wolf catches the sheep and scatters them. The hireling flees because he's a hireling and does not care about the sheep. He says, someone who's hired to be a shepherd doesn't get the job done. I, I need to tell you something. I want you, if you don't take anything home from this, is what happens here every Sunday, we pray, is not religion. I hear people sometimes say, I need to get back in church. I, I need to start doing this and stop doing that. And I want to you, that's cool, that's fine. But what we are about here at Dorsville and other churches in town is we're about a living relationship with a living Savior and His name is Jesus Christ. And we gather together and worship Him, not to be some good folks. I mean, what happens here? What happens here is not about keeping rules, about, about a person who goes to church is somehow better than those who do not. Come on, it's not. I know, I know that's the perception. But this is about a celebration. Well, of one solitary life that was so radically different that 2,100 years later, people can't get enough of Jesus. That's what it's about. And then he goes on and says this. He says, I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep and am known of my own. In other words, there's a relationship there. On February 29th, as that F4 tornado went through our town, people cried out to God. And some cried out to God in a very generic term. Oh, God, help! But some folks recognized God as Father and Jesus as Savior. And their cry was not some generic, oh, God, help. It was one as if a father, a daddy, daddy, help me. And daddy, save me. And one of the greatest and coolest things about knowing Jesus is the relationship that you can have with God. That's not possible from keeping rules. That's not possible by starting and doing things. It's not possible by claiming to be some a Presbyterian or Methodist or Baptist or a non-denominational. Or, or it's not possible by, by just going to church. It's possible by believing that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. That He died for us. And on the third day, He got up. He got up. And maybe that's what drew Paul to. Maybe that's what Paul, Paul caused Paul to say, I want to know him. And he said this. And the power of his resurrection. 
I mean, you, you want to know why I believe in the resurrection? You want to know one of the primary reasons I believe really that the grave is empty today? The 12 guys, 11 guys. One guy betrayed him. Do you understand what happened? After, you know, Jesus died and, and resurrected, they didn't get rich and famous. It wasn't like, we've, we've hit the lottery! I mean, all of a sudden, the money, the prestige, the fame, yeah! Well, we'd understand that. Let's, uh, let's lie about Jesus' resurrection. We'll form a big church and everything's going to be great. We'll become famous. No, after Jesus died and resurrected... They hunted them down one by one and killed them. There was no fame. There was no fortune. There was no rock stars. Why would they have profited by lying about the resurrection? That's why I believe. I believe it's cool and true because these guys had everything to lose and nothing to gain. And yet they had to tell those people and their lives and their world and their community and their town, Jesus Christ resurrected, proving He's the Son of God. I believe with all my heart. The, we know more about Jesus, more about His death and His birth and His resurrection, listen, than any Roman emperor who ever lived. We have more history on the life of Jesus Christ than the Roman Empire combined. And all this about a Jewish carpenter who no one should have known his name. And it's because of an empty tomb. I've got nothing to gain. My salary does not go up if you choose Jesus today. But I'm going to tell you something. You will gain. Because he lives today. He lives today to make an impact in your life. He does. He does. We don't meet weekly and say, oh, we had this many people in church, so let's give the staff a 10% pay raise. But Jesus Christ is the greatest thing that ever happened in my life, to Brent's life, and David's life. And a whole bunch of people in this room. That's why we do what we do. Some of you may have experienced the, the, the compassion, the love over in Largent Street. I want you to know something. If you've been touched in some way by some people from our church or other churches, and they've moved into your life, they've moved your debris, they tore your house down, they repaired your house, I want you to know there's only one reason that happened. I wish I could tell you we're that nice of people. It's because of Jesus. That's, exa that's exactly what Jesus would do. And we found a long time ago, whatever Jesus should do is exactly what we should do. And that's why it happened. He lives. This is what Paul, Paul put it this way. The power of his resurrection. Listen to Jesus. John 10, 15. Now the Father knows me. Even so, I know the Father. And I lay my, down, my life down for the sheep. Now, other sheep I have which are not this fold, them I must bring, and they will hear my voice, and there may be one flock and one shepherd. Now, let me translate that for you. Jesus was talking about the Jewish people there, that, that, that the Jews, Jesus came first to the Jews and Gentiles second. And he goes, there, I know there's a fold here, and I know these, these guys are Jews. But they looked at the guys and said, this is bigger than Jews, guys. I'm not dying just if you call yourself a Jew. I'm dying for everybody. Which means this. Take a look at your right hand. 
Are you looking at your right hand? I see too many eyeballs. If you look at your right hand and it's, it's Caucasian colored, Jesus died for you. If you look at your hand today and it's dark skinned, you call yourself an African-American, Jesus died for you today. If you, if you count yourself among the Hispanic community, Jesus died for you. In fact, if you count yourself of any nationality or any creed, Jesus died for you. You are the other sheep he wants to bring into the fold. Now, don't be shocked, those of you who know me. I have a $20 bill in my wallet. I'm not buying lunch. In fact, oh boy, I've got four $20 bills. Now, if you don't know me, you know that's not, you don't understand. I never have money. It works for free lunches really well. Oh, gee, I forgot cash. Could you buy it again today? Brent learned a trick a long time ago. If you can reach into your wallet and pull out a $100 bill, five $100 bills, Jesus died for you. If you can reach into your wallet and pull out a 20, Jesus died for you. You're the other sheep. If you open your wallet and there ain't nothing in there, Jesus died for you. You're the other sheep. You're the other sheep. If you say, Dwayne, I can't afford a wallet. Oh, please hear me. You're the other sheep. Jesus died for you. For you. Incredible. He goes on. He's not finished. He says this. Therefore, my father loves me because I lay down my life. That I may take it up again. The cross was not some plan that went horribly wrong. That, oops, God was sleeping that day. Like some of y'all are convinced God was sleeping February 29th. He was not. And he was not sleeping on Good Friday. It was a plan ordained before the foundation of the world was laid. That man was going to sin. And Jesus was going to come and pay the price for man's sin. And, and he laid his life down. He died that he could take it up again. In fact, listen to this. No one takes it from me. Hey, you Roman soldier, drive your nails. You cannot kill me. Hey, Mr. Centurion, get your whip and beat me 99 times. You can't kill me. It wasn't the Roman soldiers who killed Christ. He said from the cross, it is finished. And the Bible says he yielded his life. He laid down his life. He gave his life. I, no one can take it from me. I lay it down myself. Watch this. This is the man that changed history. This is the man whom we shouldn't be talking about, but we are because of this. I have power to lay my life down. And I have power to take it up again. This is the command I received from my Father. I have power to die. And I've got power to come back to life. Now what's cool is. The reason Paul said. I want to know him. And the power of his resurrection. Because Paul was a really smart guy. He figured out one day he was going to die. And he was glad to know Jesus. Because if Jesus, Jesus could get himself up. Paul knew he could get him up. And I want to tell you today the good news. 
The good news, if you choose to follow Jesus Christ, if you trust that he's the son of God, that he bled and died for you, that the wages of sin was death, but the gift of God is eternal life. If you're willing to say today, Jesus, I'm willing to trust what you did on the cross. I know I know going to church. I can't be good enough, but I believe what you did was good enough. If you're willing to do that. And one day when old death comes knocking. The same power that got Jesus up is going to get you up. I'm telling you, if we die and trust Jesus Christ, the grave will not be able to hold us. In fact, Paul says, absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. That's the good. I tell you, you know when that's really good news? Is when we're at the funeral home. And someone that we love is gone. Death has stolen away. But Christians have got a bad habit. We just can't stay dead. I told them, I said, we were talking about getting a generator here, you know, to use as a shelter. And they're talking about if we got a propane tank, we ought to bury it. And I said, you know why we can't bury that propane tank? I said, things around here only stay in the ground three days. <laughs> Come on now! Come on! <laughs> Come on! That's the power of Jesus Christ. You said it, brother. There's hope. Because... I can't give you hope in the church. I can't give you hope in religion. I can't give you hope if you start this or, or stop that. But there's hope in Jesus Christ. There's hope in the cross. And there's hope in an empty tomb. And then Paul closed with these words. That I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings. Being conformed to his death. Paul knew to identify with Jesus meant there would be some suffering involved. Because no one, not everyone believes in Jesus. I've heard enough stories from our students that they'll proclaim Jesus Christ and choose to live for Him, and some folks that used to be friends don't want to be friends anymore. I've heard that. I know that. But Paul said, knowing Jesus and the power of His resurrection is worth everything in the world. He gladly gave up being the Pharisee he was, the, the job he had, all of that. He willingly gave that up to know Jesus and the power of his resurrection. Now, let me close with how Jesus closed his teaching about the sheep. Here's what he said, or what they said. Therefore, there was a division again among the Jews because of these sayings. Many of them said... Talking about Jesus. He has a demon and is mad. Why do you listen to him? Others said, these are not the words of one who has a demon. Can a demon open the eyes of the blind? Do you see the tension there? One group said, this guy's crazy. He's thinking he's God. He's thinking that he's going to lay his life down and pick it back up again. He's nuts. But others said, wait a minute. The evidence is irrefutable. It can't be argued. Were you not there yesterday when a guy that was born blind from birth can now see? Were you not there when the man who was covered leprosy is now healed perfectly? Were you not there when they laid Lazarus in the grave? And, and four days later, Jesus said, Lazarus, come forth. And he came forth. They were forced to choose sides. 
And that's how it is with Jesus. Every person has to choose what you're going to do with Jesus. You can choose to say, he's crazy. How nuts is that? Or by faith, you can simply believe it. You know what? Jesus was who he said he was. He did what he said he could do. And that includes back then and includes now. That's the choice. It don't happen by osmosis. You don't ease your way. You need to make a conscious decision. You know what? I choose Jesus. I would not try to convince you to be a Baptist for the world. I really don't even want to convince you to try to go to church. But choosing Jesus, now that's something I can talk about. That's something I can tell you for 36 years ago, it happened for me. And I am so far from perfect because being a Christian, being a Christ follower, does not make you perfect. But it does make you forgiven. And I'm telling you guys, I've been on this journey now with Jesus for three and a half decades. And it's been an incredible ride. When the F4s of my life came through, he was faithful and he was there. He's never left me. He's never forsaken me. He's never stopped loving me. When I messed up and fell flat on my face, he didn't abandon me. That's just the kind of shepherd that he is. So what will you do with Jesus today? What will you do? Now, we're going to have what we call a time of decision at the end. And this is our largest crowd. And there's probably about 500 people here on campus today. But I want to give you that. I'd be crazy not to give you the opportunity. But down front here, Brother Brent is going to be standing in just a moment. I'm going to have everybody stand in a moment and bow their eyes, close their eyes and bow their heads. And the praise team is going to sing a song. Now, here's the deal. I did not give you enough information to make a really good decision about Jesus. But I got some friends down here that if you want to know more about him, if you come take Brent by the hand and say, hey, Brent, okay, 2,100 years later, we're talking about this guy. That's incredible. We shouldn't even know who he is, but we do. Two-thirds of the world associate the name of Jesus with God. Two-thirds of the world. I want to know more about this Jesus. And we have some friends who will share with you today from God's Word. Not some Baptist press wrote from God's Word. How you can have forgiveness of sins. How you can come in relationship with God. How you can call God Father. In fact, literally in the Greek, Daddy. Daddy. That's a powerful, powerful thing. Now, you say, Dwayne, you don't understand. I am like way shy. Okay, that's cool. You know where we live now. Our offices are right back over there. We would love to talk with you one-on-one about Jesus Christ. In fact, if you've got a pen, my cell phone number is 499-0070. I would love to talk to you about Jesus Christ. Brent, I know, 841-6936. 841-6936. Yours I never memorized. 751-3622. Call us. I'm telling you, guys, we want you to know Jesus more than anything in the world. Why? Because of that one solitary life. He's exactly who he said. He died. He resurrected. And he makes a difference today. Would you bow your heads right there, please? In a moment, as I promised, we're going to have everybody stand to their feet. And I'm going to have you bow your heads and close your eyes. Brother Brent will be standing down front. Now, Knowing Jesus is what the message has been about today. 
But maybe there's some other things going on in your life. Maybe you really need someone to just pray with you. Going through a hard time right now. If you want to come down, just kneel at this altar. We've got some folks who will pray with you. I tell them that at Judgment House every year. We'll be glad to just pray with you. If you want to know about Jesus, we can tell you about that. If you'd like to talk about joining our fellowship here, become a part of the Dorsfield family, we can talk to you about that. But I just want to tell you, we are so incredibly glad you came to worship with us today. And I hope you heard something today about Jesus that you'll take home with you. And if we can help, we want to talk. So, Father, thank you for the privilege of sharing today. God, for all these people who came on this special, special day. Jesus, thank you for your one solitary life. Who's so changed history. And you proved who you were. By the resurrection. God, I pray and I'm asking that you'll draw people to you today. Would you just draw people to you? Let them know how much you love them and just how much you care today. And Jesus, I pray this in your precious name. Amen.